Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we're talking about technology. We are talking about artificial intelligence, which has just been the buzz in the last six months, maybe. It's been interesting. It's almost like this concept has been around for a while, but suddenly you can't escape it. So you look at the stock market and you have this company, NVIDIA, uh, which the stock has just gone through the roof because they're riding this wave of AI. A lot of the big tech companies have been doing extremely well. And a lot of this buzz, I guess it's been around now, maybe brewing for the last few years, but uh, there was this program called ChatGPT, which was launched last year. And the capabilities of this thing are pretty amazing. So actually, even leading into ChatGPT, you started to see some forms of AI, which could do things that were just mind-blowing. And uh, one of our Tai Chi instructors, who's also an artist, was playing around with some of the programs that can create art. So you can just type in a few a few words or a sentence and put in a description of whatever you want to see. Uh, you could have a martial artist riding upside down on a horse in a circus, and it would go through all of the images that are out there. It would scan what's available, and it would piece these together in a way that was intelligent that gave you a representation of that image. And so this thing came out, and it was just blowing people away. And artists started to worry about this because they said, okay, if people can just generate pictures without needing photographers, without needing someone to actually draw this, where does that leave us? And then you start seeing the same trend in music. Uh, You're seeing it in video, where you can create now full-length videos using artificial intelligence. And coming back to ChatGPT, which we started with, this program is interesting. You can have a conversation with this chatbot, and it basically gives you access to the entire world's worth of information. So you can ask it questions, you can ask it to write papers, you can ask it to write legal briefs, and it'll comb through all of the data it's been trained on, which is basically all of the information in existence, and it'll piece together coherent responses. In some cases, those responses are indistinguishable uh, from what humans are writing. In some cases, they're better than what humans are writing. Uh, Lawyers have been using this. Computer programmers have been using this. So actually, the whole coding game is being revolutionized. I was talking to a friend of mine who's got his own company, and he was saying he's going back to his own computer programmers, and he's saying, I need you to increase your output by a factor of 10 now that you've got access to AI. So because you've got these AI tools, and they can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you, I expect you to be able to do 10 times more than what you did in the past, and if not, I'm going to bring in someone else. So you think about that from the standpoint, not just of productivity, but people's jobs, people's livelihoods, the anxiety that we're going through. Because these tools have incredible power, and they have the the power to upend industries, replace jobs. Uh, Now people are piecing together ChatGPT with some other programs and are creating virtual assistants. And they're giving the virtual assistants very basic instructions, like, I want to book a trip to Napa, and I want to stay in a nice hotel. I want to go to a few different wineries. I want to keep Saturday afternoon open. I want to spend this amount of money. And the program will come back with an itinerary with a list of dining options, a recommended hotel, 
flights, everything. So you think about personal assistants, travel agents, all of that. You can imagine a world where you don't really need this. Uh, we've already been talking about other areas where artificial intelligence could have an impact, like truck driving. We have truck drivers today, but arguably you don't need them. So for long haul routes, uh, you've got AI vision, uh, which uh, can safely get trucks from one part of the country to another. Uh, their argument, Z, as you've talked about, that companies are actually holding back this technology so that you don't put a lot of truckers out of work. Uh, some other technology I saw, which was incredibly interesting, Amazon pioneered this actually before the pandemic, where you could walk into a store and the store didn't have any employees. So you would just scan your phone when you went in and you could pick up whatever items you wanted. You didn't need to scan any items. So you didn't actually need to check anything out. But there were hundreds of cameras, and each of those cameras was tracking everything that you did and calculating what you picked up, what you put back down, and it was tabulating your bill. And then when you walked out, it would automatically charge you. So suddenly you've eliminated three or four jobs just in this small kiosk, and you can multiply that by a factor of a million if you scale it across the economy. So the potential for AI to disrupt our lives, our livelihoods, society, to maybe change the balance of power even more in favor of people who have money and who have capital uh, versus people who are just trying to do their day jobs. That discrepancy between the rich and poor uh, could increase even more. People are talking about all kinds of solutions to this. So there's this idea of universal basic income. Maybe we just pay people for doing nothing because there won't be jobs anymore. Uh, but the interesting thing is, despite all these concerns, the industry is plowing ahead. And you've got these open letters that are coming out. So some of the people who are on the cutting edge of AI, uh, some of the godfathers of AI, some of the people who are running the company behind ChatGPT, for instance, they're coming out and they're saying, you know what, we should pump the brakes because we're moving too fast. Once we let this genie out of the bottle, it could destroy us. It could lead to the extinction of our species. It's not something that we can take back once it's out there. So why don't we regulate it? Why don't we move a little bit slower? I'm not that optimistic. I don't think that's possible. That requires coordination, not just within our country, but across countries, because you have different countries, whether it's China or it's Russia or it's India, they're all looking at this as a strategic advantage. So everyone's in this nuclear arms race to improve their AI capabilities. There's so much mistrust. There's so much of a profit motive that ultimately, I believe it's going to be very hard to roll back or even curtail. I mean, maybe you do put some regulations around it. But it seems like we're getting to the point where this is going to become more and more pervasive. So that's one side of the argument, Z, and it's potentially exhilarating if you think about efficiency. It's potentially terrifying if you think about all the social implications. You've got a very interesting perspective on this. Uh, you've got a few perspectives on this. And we were talking offline about some of the dangers and how we're inviting in our own destruction, in your words. But I want to play devil's advocate for a second before handing it over to you. So if you look at AI and you talk about disruption in terms of jobs, uh, in terms of society, that's something we've seen with every iteration of technology. So you can go back to the Industrial Revolution, the steam engine. You can go back before then to the printing press. Uh, once you could disseminate books and people could read, uh, perhaps the minstrels who went around and told stories were out of a job. Uh, the, uh, the locomotive changes the way that we interact, uh, the way that we do commerce. You've got the car, of course, that changes society. Then you've got the computer, you've got the internet, you've got the trends towards outsourcing jobs and taking manufacturing and putting that in India or China or the Philippines. 
And especially now that you've got communication and you can communicate with anyone around the world, it doesn't matter as much where you actually locate uh, the people who are doing the work. And all of those trends have been very disruptive. So all of them have upended society. All of them have led to winners and losers. All of them have also led to adjustments. So the composition of our economy changes. And yes, people might be out of one type of a job, but they can go into something else. So we've moved, for example, from more of a manufacturing economy to a services economy. What is it, Z, about AI that's so different? Why can't you just argue that this is a continuation of trends that we've already seen? And yeah, there are going to be some winners and some losers, but ultimately we're going to adjust and we'll be better off because we'll be a lot more efficient. Uh, help us understand your thoughts on this. Well, my thoughts on it is I listen to tech. I, again, I love tech uh, in, in my first uh, career. I was a I was an engineer, mainframe engineer, and I've always enjoyed tech, but I've also been maybe a, a bit more pessimistic about people dealing with things they don't really understand. It's, it, it's like when the, nuclear, when the nuclear fusion was created, when they were able to split the atom, the dream of splitting the atom was that there would be infinite electricity for everyone on Earth and we would no longer have wars over energy. That was the whole idea. So um, once it became open source, so to say, the first thing people did with that energy was make a bomb to blow up two cities. And then from there, it's been assigned mainly to militarism. It isn't, it isn't open source to us as a public where we could have watch batteries that would last a thousand years. A nuclear car could drive longer than the owner's lifetime before it needed to be maintained in terms of the, the energy for propulsion, right? Just like the submarines can go many, many years underwater on nuclear power. But that hasn't been made available to the public for a simple reason, that in the hands of the ignorant or the hands of the wickedly wise, you could destroy the earth. It's that simple. Not everybody can have their, their, their nuke at home, right? Because if we, again, if we did that, there would be no light bills right now. There would be no phone bills. Um, there would be no bills related to electrical running things, uh, sawmills, uh, metal forging places. All of them would be doing it basically robotically with no need for fossil fuels or fuels of any kind other than the basic maintenance of cooling the nuclear fission reactors. But we knew early on that in the wrong hands, that even in the right hands, it could lead to the demise of humanity and everything we know. So that's one of those technologies, unlike going from horse-drawn carriages to automobiles. So the horseshoer is out of a job. But he then gets a job as a tire, a tire guy, right? He's putting, he's a tire repair guy. So there's always been a trade up, trade off with all technologies. Um, you went from a hand pedaled sewing machine to a baby lock machine that can make spandex clothing. Um, that hand, that hand sewing machine took the place of a tailor. Taylor's adapted. There was a 
there was an adaptation that didn't really cause a demise to anyone. It just required a little more open-mindedness. With AI, it is predicted that 60% of all jobs will not exist once AI gets into its adolescence. That's in its adolescence. 60% of all jobs as we know it. I was talking to a surgeon who said he thought that his job would be untouched as long as he went to school, as much as it took for him to learn to be a surgeon. And he had witnessed a number of surgeries done robotically with ro remote AI avatar doctors that were successful in flawless surgeries with a very high satisfaction rate. So his job is no longer um, off the table in terms of threat to jobs. He could lose his job once the hospital chooses to bring more AI robotics online. So where does he go? Where do, where he has to go further and further out for work, um, that sort of thing. And to me, all of those are interesting challenges, Vin. But I would say the bigger query, question, wonderment would be, how do we get to this point? What is different from AI and a human being? What is different from the brain of AI and the, aim of, the brain of a human being? Well, AI has no soul. It has no feeling. It has no sentiment. It has no mood. And humans have all of those collateral free features to being an animal, to being a human being. Emotions, attachments, sentiment, beliefs, ideas, dreams, hopes, all that. Apparently, though, the AIs do hallucinate because of as they're trying to configure the world. So they make up stories just like children do. Remember, the AI is in its toddler phase. It's not an adolescent yet. It's a toddler. The real danger is when it reaches adolescence. And I say the real danger is not AI by itself, but what has happened to human beings. So we have groomed ourselves over the last so many years, maybe more than I'd like to think, to being more receptive to AI. And the, those of us who don't think we are, think about it. Every negative experience you have with another human being, you would not have with AI. So real simple, we go in the store and there's the auto checkout. You don't even have to talk to a person. Why do we want to use automated checkout? For number one, I don't want to wait in the long line. Number two, if I have a bad experience with the teller, if they're in a bad mood, that mood rubs off on me. I have a bad experience. If I have a bad experience with any person in service, a waiter, a waitress, a counter person, I have a desire to not experience that again. So if I walk in the store and they give me a chance between auto checkout and dealing with a human being of questionable mood, I'm going to take the auto checkout. The worst it can do me is miss a barcode, right? And they're going to improve that. So I don't have that bad experience with a human being. We've already done it with gas stations. Gas stations used to have normal full service. You go to the gas station, guy would run out, check your oil, wipe your window, pump your gas. We eliminated that to save a few dollars. So that career path, which usually led to a mechanic, 
that career path is gone and we've, we, we've never thought about it. There are generation of people that have no memory of that going on. So it changed. So you, you didn't get out the car and put your gas in. Somebody would do it for you. And Caitlin's shaking her head and saying, what? Yeah, they would check your tires, everything for years. That used to be the way it was. So we changed that in, in the idea. They said, well, it's going to lower gas prices because you don't need people at the pump. Well, people went along with that because they had a few people, they referred to them as grease monkeys, that maybe you left the car stained or didn't do something you wanted, didn't wash the window just right. So each one of these indignities that we experience from another human being, AI has eliminated that. So as we've been groomed to be less human. We've been groomed to be less humane. And as we talked about in the last podcast, we threshold on compassion some time ago. And unbeknownst to ourselves, I think that we're walking ourselves into a world that is like that of a science fiction movie. So let's think of the things we have and, and maybe even ways of managing it. They polled the number of people in Europe and in Asia, and a large percentage of those people found as much satisfaction, if not more, from digital or AI-based relationship. What I mean, they're, they're on the computer or they're online or they're watching online things and they find that better than being with a person that it is emotionally and sensually more fulfilling to not deal with a human being. They have the, the companion dolls. They have companion AI. They have AIs that can write you every day or send you nice texts and tell you how beautiful and wonderful you are and tell you it misses you and all that, can't wait to see you. And so you're okay with that. It fulfills your sensual needs. So what do we need people for? Then if we don't need people and there's no jobs for people, what do you do with all the people? So now we're right into the movie, The Matrix. What is even the purpose of a person? Well, the ancient scriptures tell us during the Kali Yuga, if you interested in all those sorts of things, that we'll live in a time where half the people walking Will be, a, will be dead of heart and soul, but a living body with a dead soul. We're there. We're there. What has driven that? There's a heavy polarization of society. People talk in terms of progressive and conservative, uh, liberal, Republican versus Democrat. This your, your view versus my view. Compelled acceptance. So you can't have compelled acceptance. What that really means is compliance, submission and compliance. So all the different causes that are out there, um, it's gotten to that point where we don't like being human. We don't like other human beings. There was an article in the paper uh, about, again, I'm saying this to just a reference of time and space. A pedophile was beaten to death by the mother. 
the mother is now going to jail for murder. One side understands the mother. She found out someone was having sex with her less than one-year-old child. She killed the man. They're debating on why she would be so upset. People are actually debating on not the fact that she didn't understand his particular preference. There's actually a debate that will have a lot to do with her sentencing. They've called in college professors, everyone, to debate was the man really a criminal or sick or did he just have a particular preference? Was he born with a preference to minors? And was the child really damaged by the man? There's actually a debate now. So when you hear these, the fact that a debate is going on, for most of us, the absurdity cannot be expressed. Right? But because of where we are in the decline of our humanity, these things are debated. If your preference brings you pleasure, the rest of the world should accept it without debate. And if they don't accept it, they're interfering with your ability to express your humanity. You see where we're going with this? So we've groomed ourselves out of character. Human, the word human means mind of character. Character is the idea of maybe understanding causality, understanding the effects we have and the relative experience that we can exchange with one another, the tit for tat of being a human being. AI doesn't have any of that. It has none of that. We were talking earlier, Vin, about people who, and, and I'm learning about bottom line in economics. And what I've learned from the people who are bottom line are economics. There is no um, thought on its effect on the planet or the people around. It is to look at the bottom line. And there is, there is a mathematical sense to that. But there's also a human calculus that is affected by that. And you want to always weigh cause and effect. So as AI grows, we'll see a world of complete compliance to a, you talk about, you think the faceless committee now is bad. I can't even imagine what it would be once we're into a complete state of compliance and we no longer have any level of personal ethos that is, is relevant. It's a free for all. And we're hearing more and more about it. The inability to have rational, objective conversation without that conversation being polluted by subjective emotionalism. And it all comes down to, do I feel good and comfortable? Does it validate me? And that is truly a race to the bottom of the human experience. You follow me, Van? Yeah, what's interesting, Z, when you're talking about it, the effects we're discussing have been in place for a long time. And it's not just AI. It's just a trend 
we've talked about how technology, every time you have some new technology, it disrupts industries. It might dehumanize people. I mean, you look, going back centuries, you had uh, craftspeople who did various things. And then a lot of that disappeared because you had industrialization and heavy industry, which came in. Uh, so people's livelihoods, their sense of ownership over a both a skill set and a final product has disappeared because uh, now you've just got people who are cogs in some assembly line, and that's a bit dehumanizing. Uh, you look at things like Netflix, you don't go to the store anymore and talk to a clerk about what video you might want to see, uh, what CD you might want to buy. You just stream all of this. If you get a recommendation, it's a recommendation from an algorithm. So it's based on the aggregation of what a lot of other people like you are interested in. If you look at stores, I mean, retail has gone through a huge change. Uh, a lot of this has been because of Amazon. And Amazon now delivers everything. And it's great. I mean, most people like using Amazon. It's amazing that you can order something. It can show up the next day. Sometimes it can show up the same day or a few hours later. Uh, but as a result, you have a lot of stores which no longer exist. And that feel you had when you would go in and you'd be part of a community and you talk to someone, you get personal recommendations, a lot of that has disappeared. In fact, even before Amazon, you had Walmart, which had somewhat of the same effect. So when you're talking about AI and dehumanization and that we've been grooming ourselves for this, Z, it feels like, it, let me put it a different way because I'm going to give you another framing of this and I'm curious to hear what you think about it. If part of it is dehumanizing, and I'm not going to dispute that, but another way you could look at it is that this is part of evolution. Uh, so as we evolve as a species, we learn how to do things better. We learn how to do them faster. And if you want to survive as a member of the species, then you have to differentiate yourself from all of that. So you have to rise above everything that's common. If you can only do what everyone else can do and the things that you're doing are automated, then you've got to innovate. You've got to do the things that technology can't do. You've got to come up with the next technology or you've got to do the things that AI can't do. Uh, maybe some people might argue that AI, it's just a giant scraping algorithm where it goes across the internet. It looks at information that's already out there and combines it. And each time it's combining it, it's combining it in innovative ways, but it's still working with an existing set of knowledge. Uh, whereas if you look at science, uh, you look at inspiration, new theories, new ways of doing things, new types of art, that you could argue transcends what already exists. And if it transcends what already exists, whether you call it divine inspiration or something else, maybe that's not something that AI can replicate. So what about that side of the argument, Z, that yes, maybe parts of this are dehumanizing but maybe in that dehumanization, it's changing what it means to be human. I mean, it's just part of this continuous evolution. I mean, is that something you agree with? And if it is, why is AI so different from what we've seen for a long time? I think where AI is, is different, again, I think there are some very useful aspects to it. But understanding where we've been groomed, there is no longer a boundary between where we use it and where it uses us. We use the cell phone as example that we're all on way too much when you click your screen time and so forth. 
it's way over the threshold of healthiness for your brain because our brains evolved a certain way and suddenly there's a brain surrogate. There's an external cell to your brain that the body is now adapting to by altering the frame of the human being. We are weaker in many areas. We found that to develop our athletes, we must isolate them. They have, to, they have limits to social media for good high-end athletes um, in order for them to reach their highest level of performance. Um, and when you see its effect on the average person, you can see that there's a level in which it no longer is an aid, but it's a detriment. When you look at what it's done to intimate relationships, as I said, a high number of divorces now mention social media in the divorce filing. Something that happened, something that was discussed, something that was found out. So it's intermeshed in people's lives, but they don't have control over it. And then you look at <clears throat> our general behavior of our level of dissatisfaction and disappointment with human relationships that doesn't have to be addressed nor confronted because you have a surrogate between yourself and the bitterness, sometimes bitterness of human interaction. So you never have to overcome. You don't have to grow. So I do, do believe that we're evolving, but remember evolution doesn't always have a certain uh, scale of verticality to it. There can be horizontal and des descending lines of evolution. We evolve to adapt. We evolve to get better. We evolve to reach higher. We evolve to survive. Our survival now is in the hands of something else, right? When people find digital interaction more satisfaction than human interaction, when you find yourself up late at night and you're more at home being online than you are at home being at home, it's already taken us over. It's already substituting communal relationships. Human beings as humans tended to be communal. If your community exists only in the ether sphere of the World Wide Web, without touch, without a visceral loop, then you're not really having a need for verticality to your evolution, right? You don't need to adapt. You don't need to be smarter, sharper, clearer, stronger, wiser. You actually have to dumb down the person to allow the cybernetics to do their job. They're there to make your life easier and easier and easier. So what do you need? What do you need a community for? What do you need an intimate partner for? We're at a point where people don't really need jobs. We'll go from working at home to working in virtual space to an AI-generated avatar of us actually working then the work goes away. And then it's going to change commerce. I don't know how, but I'm just seeing where we're headed. We can only speculate. And I believe it differs in other technologies in the way that 
it's asking us to do less, be less human. It's not asking us to challenge our humanity. When they came out with the printing press and books were available to everyone, it pushed everybody to learn to read. Literacy increased many times over. Though there were many people that feared too many knowledgeable people would have a negative effect on monarchies and hierarchies, which they did, but they should have. I think that's a good thing that people were able to think and challenge and read for themselves. But this technology isn't like that. It's asking us to be less, to try less, to give up sooner, to substitute our humanity for something more comfortable, to give ourselves away, as you say, agency, to something else that doesn't care about you. Our survival triggers have changed. The fight, flight, flee, all exist in a, nano, a nanogram of technology. Every emotion that you could imagine can be elicited via AI. As quickly as it turns on, it can turn it off. People are finding themselves deeply invested in AI-generated faux, fake human interaction because we stopped liking each other. We stopped valuing each other. And for those of us who are opt-outs, we understand where this is headed and it's why whatever businesses we're doing, whatever um, pursuits we have, I think in the next decade, we need to accomplish those things. Um, around the world, you're seeing omen. The US dollar, for example, does not carry weight anymore around the world. And in the lifetime of all of us listening, we can remember when the US dollar was a relevant source of income. There are people now in the world that don't trust the dollar. You understand? They don't trust the dollar. Where the dollar is now what the rupee used to be, a questionable form of currency that was regionally acceptable. They're trading now in Africa on digital-based and, and, and paper-based economies that are backed by precious minerals and gold because they find that to be stable and of a, um, a limited uh, quantity that can be relied upon and judged money by. So that's where we're headed. But for those of us who are just following along for the minion, for the herd, we, are, we have been groomed and are surrendering ourselves to literally a digital overlord. And I watch enough horror movies to know that won't turn out well. What do you think then? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said uh, for the way you're putting it. I do like the take that we've surrendered our humanity and <laughs> the less interested we are in inter interacting with other people, the more valuable AI becomes. I completely agree with that. And maybe that's really what sets it apart from prior technologies. I guess I'm of two minds. I mean, one is this surrendering of our humanity, this drive towards greater control. It, part of this, as we've been talking about, has been going on for a long time. And it's a combination of technology, it's outsourcing, 
it's the profit motive. So you've got the average person who it's just harder to survive. I mean, you, you have less stability at work. There's more anxiety. You're subject to the whims of whatever corporation you're working for. Your livelihood is not keeping pace with the profits of the enterprise that you're a part of. So it's a skewed distribution of whatever that surplus is. Uh, then you combine with that, te- that with technology, you combine it with outsourcing, jobs are at risk. A lot of times people don't have proper education. So it's tied into it, not just the trend itself, but the supporting infrastructure of society. Uh, and maybe it does come back to humanity, because if we cared more about people and we cared more about each other versus just doing things more efficiently and making more money, then you would have more of a safety net. You would have more of an investment in education. You would have a balance where you recognize, okay, there are benefits to that technology and we, we want to innovate. We want to move forward. But we also have to control the fallout because we know there's going to be disruption. So all of these people who suddenly are at risk, let's retrain them. Let's reprovision them. Let's give them a lease on life so they're not sitting around, Z, to your point, in some matrix and <laughs> they're becoming energy sources for robots or whatever the hell it is. They're, they're powering more Bitcoin mining. Uh, we, we don't want to get into that world. Um, and maybe with AI, it's taking that trend and it's just taking it to an extreme because the pace of what we're seeing, uh, it's incredible how quickly this technology is evolving. Uh, and we're at the beginning. I mean, we'll see how this pans out, but it's probably not going to pan out in this utopian way that we referenced at the beginning of the discussion. There's always been this idea of technology uh, that it can save us time and it can make us more efficient. And when we have computers, then we'll be able to cut our workload in half. Or suddenly we have cell phones and we have communication. It'll be much easier to communicate. So we can go and hang out on the beach and send a couple of emails every day. And it doesn't work that way, I think, because that human element is missing, which maybe is a different kind of human element than the one we're talking about. But it's this human desire to control. Uh, We want to control other people. Uh, We don't want even if we could provide for the masses, uh, we want to be the one at the top. So no matter what the rewards are, even if things grow by a hundredfold, we want to take 99 out of the hundred and keep it for ourselves. And we want to make sure that whoever is working for us, if now they have a cell phone, they're plugged in online every single second of the day. And even if they're not doing anything, we are going to make up work for them to do. We're going to force them to check in just so that we're tightening the screws. We're keeping them under our thumb and it's almost a show of loyalty or a show of fealty. Uh, so in that sense, I mean, that whole trend is dehumanizing. And AI certainly can accelerate that. Uh, we've talked about the scope of AI. It, it is interesting how many industries it can disrupt. I mean, a friend of mine sent me a, a quick cheat sheet after ChatGPT came out. So there was a lot of press around ChatGPT. And within a couple of months of ChatGPT, he sent me the sheet with 25 different AI applications for doing all sorts of different things, uh, from legal work to coding to writing to music to video. Uh, so this uh, this technology is getting so much attention. You know, maybe we already have let the genie out of the bottle and we're going to continue down this path. As I said earlier, Z, I don't see that much scope for reining it in. Uh, I mean, maybe there will be some policy discussion. Maybe there will be some regulation. I wouldn't be surprised by that. How effective is it going to be? I doubt it's really going to stop the pace because I feel like the 
mindset that we have, the mindset that society has, is still this mindset of more. I mean, that's how we're grounded. We need more for the sake of more. And let's not worry about the fallout. Whatever we break, we can fix it later. That was a Facebook motto. So Zuckerberg was famous for saying that, move fast and break things. And it's so important to innovate that we'll deal with the collateral damage at some later point, or maybe we'll never deal with it and we'll kick the problem to someone else. So we as a social media company aren't going to take responsibility for all the hatred that we're sowing, all the misinformation, all of the ethnic violence. That's someone else's problem. Uh, If we're selling pharmaceuticals, we'll take the money, but the cost to society, we're going to punt, and that's going to be someone else's problem. So Z, if that's the mentality that we currently have collectively, I don't see this thing slowing down. And maybe your point is correct, that we've got a window to do what we need to do as human beings before AI takes over and to create our communities. Uh, So I'm curious, what do you think about that? I mean, number one, whether there is a slowdown or some, some collective agreement to rein in this technology and think about some of these social issues that we're creating. And if not, let's make sure we get back to ourselves. I mean, I think as we start wrapping up this discussion, I want to make sure people understand, even if we can't change the overall trend, what can we do to opt out of this? Or even if we're not totally opting out of it, to use it as a useful tool, but not be used by it. What are your thoughts on that? For one, Vin, everything is about using your natural given ability to grow your own intelligence. And intelligence is the ability to discern and discriminate. When you look at the people who are the most enthusiastic about the demise of humanity, uh, these gatekeepers, um, the Gates, the Muskes, uh, Musk, a few other people, they have this plan that they're going to go to Mars, they're going to mine the Earth, and if you're with them, they will look after you. That's kind of the theme that they have. They're anxious about it. What have they done with the tools in front of them? So don't think that there's going to be a rescue plan for the 60% of the people that will be out of work. AZ, just one thing I want to interrupt you on. It's interesting that you bring up Musk because his company, Neuralink, he started that to, to fight against AI taking over. So his view was we can't stop AI but we can use it. Uh, So we can figure out a way to implant it directly in someone's brain. We can create a link. What's that? He can use it to shape the world. The whole idea that you're gonna put a module in your head. So let's see what this guy did with Twitter. What was his human thing he did with Twitter? He's actually going after his enemies on Twitter using deep fake, fake accounts and disparaging people he doesn't like. Do you think he has the character and the humanity that he would think of the greater good? Hasn't shown it. You accept people for who they are. When you think of a neural link, think about that. A hard device embedded in your body, controlled by somebody else. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean, I guess uh, I'm just saying maybe the guy had the right intentions. Maybe he didn't, to your point. I mean, maybe the character isn't there. Vin, I just need us to think. Vin. I think it's interesting that you prefaced this whole podcast with saying how 
things were phrased as to how they were going to help the good, but have actually had evil intentions. And then you're bringing up Neuralink and like how it's supposed to help us. The very term. But then it's all. Brain link. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's all. Brought to you by Tesla. Yeah. That's, yeah. That for every Tesla you drive, four people have died in a mine, yeah. mining for the battery. Tesla leaves a carbon footprint worse than a semi-diesel truck just in its manufacturing. Then all of a sudden, there's going to be this one beautiful thing that he leaves for humanity. This sociopath, he's a hero because of his wealth, because of his bottom line. He's a bottom line hero, but he's a human zero. Is that the title? <laughs> I'm just saying, there, there's something that goes along. Power corrupts people. Yeah, power All of these powerful people, I think there's only one, like maybe Warren Buffett or something, who's turned his wealth and turned it back into humanity to make the world better. I don't know, heard some rumor. But there seems to be a trend and a pattern with the people who are the biggest cheerleaders for AI. They see the population as expendable, useless, minion, right? And, and, and a herd of minion that need to be culled. And they're doing the culling of the herd. Do you want to be a part of the herd? For those of us who opt out, we're already thinking of our escape route. I would say every person that's able, what we're trying to do is while you can still own land because they're buying up land with water resources or bay, get a small place somewhere that you could imagine when, when the mines are shut off, when everybody's neural linked and it has a brownout, that you won't be around when that happens. And again, I'm not saying it in a dreadful, fearful way, but we're already seeing an exodus of thinking people from densely populated cities around the world because the cities are not nurturing anymore. We're seeing parents of all classes scrambling to find educational resources for their children because the schools are not teaching anything, they're indoctrinating, which they were designed to do, but they've turned up the volume on indoctrination. You have these various um, movements, these word salad movements that are so nonsensical and bizarre, but they've neuralinked your ass into trying to make sense of nonsense. Right? And it's time for us who are opting out to really figure out how we can be uh, like friggin' uh, uh, Sarah Connor in Terminator, right? And just figure out how to rage against the machine. Why do we need to do that? Because our evolution is dependent on us not being uh, serving the machine. We're not, we, we don't want to evolve to serve the machine. That's a de-evolution. We want to evolve to reach the highest level of conscience and experience as a human being that is born of, 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 of the, the solar divine, right? This divine energy out there. And we've known throughout history where this leads. That's why everybody fears everybody having a nuke. AI is a nuke.
And even when Vin said that, it just made my stomach churn. The neural link. I mean, just... I understand the concept that it's going... To, I understand the concept. Like, if we become AI mutants, we can fight AI with our own... Because we're half No, AI. that's but, not how it works. Oh, well, any, that's not what how, I took away from it. No, Caitlin. So who's the overlord of the neural link? Why do you trust him? I don't, but I'm just saying... But I, no, no, no. I, I understand... Unfortunately, I understand why people would buy in to this idea. People still drink Pepsi and Coke. I know. It's disgusting. Right? People still taking fentanyl. Yeah. People are still fighting over Democrat and Republican. How smart do you think the, the minion are? And now you're going to put a robot link in their head? <laughs> you understand? You understand? Yeah. I mean, picture that. I know. That's like Matrix 7. No, or actually, <laughs> in the, new, the newest Matrix movie that came out, I think, like, two years ago, mm -hmm. they actually have a scene where uh, uh, Keanu Reeves realizes, once again, he's in a different form of the Matrix, and he's trying to get out, and someone comes in with, like, a whistle, and all of the people in this busy coffee shop go, like, turn on, like, hive mind, mm -hmm. and they all go to attack him. Yeah, yeah, that happens already. Yeah. You haven't watched the news? I know, but that's that's what I'm saying. It's just, like, that's what it would be. Yeah, you can yeah and I think there's a scene where he's trying to dig the neural link out of his head, right? Yeah, yeah. You see? And then you want that by Tesla? Yeah. You want that in your head? But they actually can do it with a tattoo now. They have a a, a mineralized tattoo that has the chip in it. So you can get tat get it tattooed in. So think about who would go for that. Yeah, well, they started human trials, or they just got FDA approval for human trials. So far, they've been doing it with uh, apes. And you got apes who are playing Pong, you know, that video game Pong, just using their mind. And apparently some have gotten infections from the implants, but <laughs> they're, they're changing the surgery protocols, so we should be okay. You see that? And then you can just sleep all day. You can do an exercise stim, stiffen and relax your muscles, right? You'd be fine. But, but, but look, we've accepted so many things in our world, and we've normalized so many dysfunctions that we've been groomed to accept this. And if, and when you were born, if you would have walked on the street and asked people, can I implant a chip in your head owned by the company of a sociopath? What do you think they would have said? Most people polled. What do you think they would have said? Um, probably not, because I think when I was born, this Cold War stuff was still kind of in the air. Yeah. So. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> people generally were in This is what the response would be. Uh, sir, ma'am. We'd like to do the neural link. What the hell's a neural link? We're going to implant a device in you so we can all work as a hive under one overlord that's going to be looking after your best interest. The next response from those people, they would look that person in the eye and say, you know what? Eat shit and die. Okay? That would have been the response. But over that period of time in your lifetime, people have been groomed. The, the brain is a living organism. It's been cultivated. Neural pathways have been cultivated so that 
we don't have what used to be called common sense anymore. We, with the common sense is now extraordinary sensibilities. It's okay to ride your bike in the middle of rush hour traffic. Everybody will move around you. You should be safe. It's okay to put all sorts of genetically modified products in your body. You should be safe. It's okay to just take mindless vaccines one after another. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. I remember when that term, everybody's doing it, was a reason not to do something. Now it's a reason people are doing it. Everybody's doing it. I was standing in line the other day and somebody said, uh, hey, I noticed you don't have any ink on. I know what they were talking about. What do you mean? You don't have any ink? Where's your ink? I said, you need an ink pen? They are talking about tattoos. I said, how would you know I don't have tattoos? I got clothes on. I can just tell you don't have ink. How do you tell I don't have ink? Is the ink talking to the other ink on everybody? And when did everybody have to get a tattoo? You see, when I see everybody with something, I don't want it. Now people openly talk about sexually transmitted diseases. I heard that just standing in line. Yeah, I got the, uh, I got chlamydia. and They were just talking about it all loud. You too? Oh, me too. And there was a whole group. We should go out on a date. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. Get that shit fixed, okay? And then give yourself a cool-off period, all right? So the world has been groomed for this AI, where we've wiped our own mind down. We've washed our mind down to where now we are openly subjecting ourselves to compliance, submissive compliance to this nonsense. And if you listen to the people, I mean, these guys are bizarre people, just bizarre people. These are the role models. And there's so much divisiveness between every group of people. There's the male-female divisiveness, right? Just coupling is now ramped up to almost like a, a kind of military armatist between each other, north and south. Politics, all that, everything's vague. So for the opt-outs, we, we want to see that and then see how we can not be a part of it. That's my thing. Let's get us some land somewhere. Let's move away from densely populated areas. Let's think for ourselves. Teach the kids how to read, how to write, how to think for themselves. Don't celebrate bizarro things. Don't call people heroes who didn't do anything heroic. Little mind exercises you can do. Stay out of politics. Little mental exercise you can do to prevent yourself from needing the neuro, what's it called, the neural plant? Neuralink. Yeah, okay. This just, just the fact that Vin brought that up, I'm just like, what the hell, man? Come on, you know what I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> just sounds crazy. Well, the, the technology sounds pretty cool. That's all I'll say. For a dog or sheep, or if you own a cattle ranch and you want to move the cows from one place to another. But for humans, nah. Unless you got bad kids. 
I might put it on my kids just to control them, play for 30 minutes, sit quiet for 30 minutes, go to sleep, right? I think for if, if, if I want a removable link and I probably wouldn't want to have it hooked up to Wi-Fi, right? Probably want to have its own pro. Dude, Z, Z, you could you could live stream porn in HD twenty four seven. They're already doing that. They're already doing that. Yeah, you wouldn't even have to pick up the remote or open your phone. Yeah, well, that's an advantage of it, but you could have you could be sitting there having a conversation with Caitlin and watching porn at the same time. Uh, okay, then. So here's the thing: they already have the VR suits, the VR porn. That was already, that announced a certain low in humanity when people were actually uh, fantasizing about cartoon characters. That's already shows we just went down. We stopped evolving right there. We just stopped. We, we just stopped. We just made a, a hard 90 degree turn on evolution. Because you're excited about having sex with Wilma Flintstone and Barney Rubble. And that's what you're racing home for privacy for. Can't wait to put on the headset. Hey, Wilma, I'm home. And that does something for you? Yeah, we just made a 90 degree turn on evolution. So opt-outs, we don't do that. Okay, anybody's opting out, part opt out, we don't do stuff like that, all right? No neural link, no cartoon porn. We, we just don't do that. Okay, we do other weird shit, but it ain't that. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, got it. No, glad you cleared that up for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and cancel a few subscriptions right after the podcast, but uh, let's maybe save a little money. I need you to cancel those right away. Yeah. Disconnect right away. Get, get off the VR headset and the body stem. Right. Take out the prostate probe that's hooked to the World Wide Web, and let's get back to being human. <laughs> All right, done. Done, we can shake on that. No more squeezy pouches of nutritional dump, right? No more IV feeding yourself, no pick tube, no pick line in you, just for the hell of it. I saw some people putting a pick line in them just for the hell of it so they can just pump nutrition into them so they can keep gaming. So we want to do that. All right? All right. Done and done. Done and done. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.